random thought of the day. Halloween just passed, so always remember, Jesus Christ was the first zombie. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Javon Walker, Craig Sider Schwartz. Uh, this is our second episode, and we want to take you. We want to. Oh my god! We want to take you for a stroll on our sidewalk. Now, for all of our twelve loyal listeners, uh, we want to go over some rebranding issues you may notice. It's you know we're a little hard to find because we introduced the show, our first show, as none of the above, and yet we are uh, out there on streaming platforms as Sidewalk. A clever little pun uh, that my wife Holly came up with using both of our names. Uh, and it, I think it has a little bit more punch too. So uh, we, we are going to keep our always open-ended thinking ideas and kicking around thoughts, but uh, we, we want to let everyone know that Sidewalk is the road that we want to be on moving forward. Yes. And uh, we just want to, you know, let everyone know that the election is over for the past couple of weeks. You know, everyone was focused on the election and now it's the election results. But we want to let everyone know that the election is over. Now we have to go back to COVID. Don't forget, COVID hasn't gone anywhere. So, you know, just just to remind everyone, there have been a lot of uh, significant achievements that have been passed due to COVID as well as the election. Um, Craig, can you let us know some of these uh, achievements? Well, a- absolutely. Well, well like from the election, we'll get back to COVID in a minute. But uh, I think we all have to recognize the obvious uh, breakthrough for women in this country. Over the past uh, week or so, there has been some major significant movements. And obviously, the one everyone's thinking about is uh, we have to recognize Kim Ung, the first female general manager of a major league franchise. So congratulations and and well done well deserved Sig- you know what craig from from you mentioning that it's a significant achievement because you know how many women have worked in sports and have not assumed the title of general manager it's you know it's our first and i mean there there are a lot of of a first for everything so we need to give kim ung a lot of credit for being the first female gm yeah. significant achievement and, and and again good job derek jeter for opening the door and giving her the opportunity. Wow. Look at that. Making significant progress in the country, people, in the sports <laughs> world. <laughs> As sports reflect reality in a way. It's an entertainment, but it's it's so significant in America. Uh, we take our sports seriously. So uh, <clears throat> look at uh, Jackie Robinson. You know, he, he the, the breaking the color barrier was significant for the entire country, not just for sports it was a major movement at the time and you know it's amazing that it's taking 70 more years for uh women to make that breakthrough but but it's representative of the country also and yeah we do have to recognize kamala harris too uh that's the more clear and obvious breakthrough for women (laughs) but 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 it is funny how it is kind of coinciding that you know baseball specifically is always at the forefront of of reflecting what's happening in our society so it's a very good point um and, you know bringing up baseball i know you love baseball and i want to hit on the impact of sports by covid you know like i said the election's done everyone goes back to covid um and sports were always a great way of um taken away from what was going on in reality. You know, sports were a great way for you to get away from war times, depression, just hard times in general from the for the country. And now back to COVID, 
and it looks like all the sports uh, sports leagues and sports teams they want to do as best as possible to be able to accommodate the play of sports while trying to maintain you know social distancing practicing and guide uh, practices and guidelines but it looks like it's it's kind of hard um you know the the World Series just finished up and if for people that that didn't watch the World Series but uh the Dodgers were playing the Rays in a seven game six game series I think it was six games right well, they beat him in six games. Got it. But uh, okay. it was yeah, the best of seven. Right. It was a uh, it was a, so in game six, the Dodgers beat the Tampa Bay Rays. But in game six, I believe Justin Turner was he was a starter. I forget what position he's in. Third base. He's a third baseman. And he was pulled in the eighth inning, I want to say. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. His sev- he played the seventh inning and then got the word and didn't come out to play the eighth inning because they quarantined him. Right. Because his test results came back. Right. So he was good from inning, inning, first inning up to the eighth inning. But when it came, when he got his results, he had to be removed from the game. So when the Dodgers won after the ninth inning, he came back out for the celebration. Celebrate with his team. (laughs) (laughs) So at that point, I guess like maybe social distancing guidelines take place from the first inning to the ninth inning. (laughs) Look, look, let, let. Let's back it up a little bit, and we bad job by Major League Baseball's testing protocols. Can we just say that? Like, if how do you not get the results before the game starts? True, yeah. But the thing that I took issue with is how they vilified Justin Turner. Literally, how can he go back out knowing he has it? How can he kiss his wife knowing that oh he has it now he's giving it to her? Like. We're, we're looking at a snapshot of an image of something that's taking place and forgetting what has already transpired to get us to that point. Yes, it's a bad look, but how are you going to take away the, the thing that he's worked 30 years of his life to get to the one moment you're going to take that away from him when the damage has already been done? I feel like nobody's <laughs> addressing that. He was running by the other team on the base path that whole game for seven innings. He was in the dugout with his teammates, high five and chest bumping, sitting next to them less than six feet away with 20 other guys for seven innings. The damage is already done. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, because he's not wearing his mask at the greatest moment of his life and his teammates wanted him there for it. Now he's literally a villain. What's the harm? I don't understand that part of it. It's it's kind of a farce to me. You watch all these uh, NFL games games where the guys are all playing their position for the whole game they're bumping up against each other they're blocking they're running they're 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 tackling each other and then they put on their masks to shake hands at the end of the game (laughs) are we being serious (laughs) no you know it's 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 uh it's quite interesting when you say that you know the amount of contact in in let's say football right professional like nfl football and college football there's so much contact and I actually, you know what? I just saw a picture of Trevor Lawrence, the, the Clemson quarterback mm-hmm. after they got upset by Notre Dame. There's so much contact in sports from tackling to just, you know, contact in general. And then at the end of the game, you have to put on a mask just to walk out and say, you've already touched or interacted with dozens of people. And the fact that you have to, I guess for, for pictures from the media, like you have to put on a mask just to say that you're, you're you're safely practicing guidelines like it's it's a fart it's it's a fart like i didn't even think about that but you're totally right like you've gone through 60 minutes of 
football, of action, of contact with people, sitting next to each other when you're not playing, playing next to 10 other people on a side on your side of the field when you're playing, and then somehow you you find that it's it's necessary to put on a mask after all that contact. Yeah. Yeah. So wild. I, I know uh Trevor Lawrence actually did test positive and he had to sit out of a game. Correct. But they still wanted him on the sidelines. I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if that actually took place or not. They were talking about how he's a good influence and like he has a mind to be a coach one day. So like they wanted him there to like help coach the guys that were backing him up. I don't know if that actually took place or not. <laughs> so, so, when, so when you mentioned he was out there, you know, shaking hands after the Notre Dame game, like, uh, yeah. W- what what actually happened there? I'm, I'm, I'm a little curious now. <laughs> Wild. I um, bringing up that um, the Notre Dame game. Uh, no rhyme intended, but um, <laughs> looking at so what happened was Clemson. Clemson was the number one team in the country. I want to say Notre Dame was ranked probably somewhere between six and 10, but Notre Dame ended up upsetting Clemson uh, in South Bend. And at the end of the game, because Indiana's guidelines, they maybe, if the stadium has about 80,000 capacity, maybe 35 to 40,000, that's about halfway full. I would say that could have been the amount of people in the attending the game. So because of the upset, the, the fans stormed the field. So you see probably Which is a natural reaction for like, an upset. We, we've been in college before. We yeah. we experienced some amazing Rutgers upsets, you know, beating uh, Louisville the next year, beating USF when they were ranked in the top five. Yeah. And what do you do as college students? You go crazy and celebrate with your team. Absolutely. You know? So by having fans in the stadium already, are are we inviting that? Yeah. You know what? De- depending on the implications. I mean, if you like, let's say Rutgers was playing number one, Ohio State, right? If Rutgers beat Ohio State, nobody's storming the field because nobody's inside the stadium. Notre Dame, on the other hand, might be the biggest employer, might be the biggest economic output by the city of South Bend and up to that area. So fans not being in the stadium, it really cripples their 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 economic industry there. Right. So. You know, you want to have the kids there. Do you want like a bunch of older people that aren't necessarily as rowdy and raucous as the student crowd? So should you be the number one team like that's that's pretty big shit. Like the fans are definitely going to storm the field. You're not going to be able to tell them don't do it. So so here's the thing. If we have a a, a mass group, how much did you how many students did you say? Or oh, how many I people? would assume definitely more than 20,000 people. were OK, there. so so you have a collective group of 20,000 people that all made the conscious decision to say, fuck it, I'm going to put myself at risk. Uh, Yes, you're also, you have to remember, you're putting other people at risk also. Mm -hmm. But if everybody is making that same decision unconsciously, subconsciously, or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, without communicating with each other, is that a reflection of people saying, you know, we are ready to move forward with trying to be a civilization again? (laughs) You, You know... If 20,000 people collectively if 20,000 people collectively said that they were ready to make that decision and go storm the field like they're progressing further than some other portions of the country, you know, yeah. some some portions of the country. They don't even want to go attend a sporting event, even if it's uh, social distancing practice uh, practices, you know. Well, and again, you have to make this decision before you even go to the game, like you said. So there's different levels of how far you want to push it, how far you want to risk it, what your comfort level is. So is it up to the individual to make that decision or is it up to the government to say, don't make that decision? 
some governments, they accommodate that. Some governments don't. You know, if you went to South Bend, you were able to see a bunch of people in the stadium. If you I I think I was watching part like highlights of the Florida, uh, Arkansas game. And there were a bunch of people out there in, uh, in the swamp in Jacksonville. You come to Rutgers, it's, it's nothing. But, you know, it, it depends on the sporting event. It depends on the sport itself. It depends on the league. Like, you know, let's take a step back from college football. Let's look at a huge potentially huge loss of revenue for colleges college basketball right um i believe i I saw yesterday rick patino said let's postpone the start of college basketball until november 25th and let's accommodate like a may madness maybe you can accommodate postponements or stuff from covid if you push you know march madness back a month or two um for basketball heavy programs that's going to be a lot of money if they if they lose out on non-conference scheduling because that invitationals all that shit like that's that's a lot of money that they that they make yeah the money comes in the tournaments the national attention the the big the big events um especially from a college perspective but the nba is talking about trying to push forward their schedule their 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 uh postseason just ended what a month ago less than a month ago yeah and they're already they have a prospective start date of of the week of uh christmas and because their next season is already late but yet the off season is shorter than they've ever had before because they they are trying to push forward and not lose too much as far as revenue and even you know around the whole entire sport wow yeah that's a lot um and you know who knows now, what I think I heard was the NBA was planning on cutting the season, maybe 72 games or something like that. I mean, it's already no, like mid-November, so there are a lot of games that they've already cut out. But here's a question. Are they going to try to make it the the normal June? That's the NBA Finals. Or are they going to push it back a month? And then that might cut into the next, the next season. Right. How far is it ever going to roll over before we just cut our losses and say, right. yep. But again, what, going back to the college part, the delays still trying to make it happen, but the delays without knowing what the end result of COVID situation is, how much are we trying to push and how much are we trying to get back to normal? And how much are we trying to like, what is the delay? Is the delay, well, if we do it in January instead of December, then there's less chance of getting COVID. No, we don't know that. It's it's waiting as long as we can for a vaccine to come out versus we're losing a lot of money, so we have to play. Yeah. Um, the two are not connected. The amount of revenue that the teams are losing out on is outrageous. Like, I'm not going to say outrageous. Like, it's a, it's a large sum of money that these specific um, teams are missing out on. I think I, I think I read an article that said the Golden State Warriors. So the Golden State Warriors, they, they, they're playing in a new arena starting this year, right? Mm-hmm. So the tickets are going to go up. You got to pay for that, that stadium somehow. Uh, not stadium, the arena. Um, they could definitely be losing like a couple hundred million dollars from missing out on 20,000 people showing up at the game. Each game, each mm-hmm. each team gets 41 home games. And if you could fit 20,000 people, let's say 10,000 are the cheap seats, 6,000 are premium seats and Let's say that's another three thousand for expensive seats, and you still have a thousand for the suites, the the corporate clients, right? The corporate clients are really where they make their money. It's like airlines and first class and business class tickets. Like they don't cater to the the family that wants to pay fifty dollars for the whole family to watch. Like they cater to 
the corporate clients that want to entertain their 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 guests, you know, the, the, where the real revenue is coming from, where the real revenue is coming the, from, the one percent taking care of ninety percent. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the people that get the the free shrimp cocktail, the drinks and all that shit, like the yeah, no, they that's that's where the the bulk of the money comes from. And every game that they don't have attendance for, they lose out on that revenue. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. How look state by state, you have different regulations. So you the, uh, multiple stadiums were opening for the first time this year in the NFL. You had the Rams and uh, the Raiders all opening new state both opening new stadiums and yet california has a zero capacity whereas jerry jones has his 25 percent capacity and and they're like so what's the difference why why is why can jerry jones recoup his costs but i'm sorry i don't know the owner of the rams but uh or you know the crunky. New- <clears throat> crunky i think okay. he was yeah um i don't think he's a denver owner yeah i think he's a st louis rams guy um la rams yeah la rams i'm sorry um <laughs> But yeah, no, you got a point. What's the what's what's the difference, right? But but, but is that something different that we're doing in America versus you know you always bring up European soccer? Sorry, Brian Prongate, we're going to talk about soccer. But, uh, <laughs> and he's going to listen if he's curious about the podcast. That's funny. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, it, I feel like the European countries have more of a uh, umbrella say as far as like this is what we're going to put out as far as product this is how much we're ready to go this, this is the capacity this is the regulations which is why they're you can talk more about this able to have intercontinental competitions yeah in europe you've 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 got a point um and the reason why it's so uniform is because most of the most of the countries are Western European based, so they believe in like the the umbrella of the EU. Whatever goes for the EU, that's that's what we follow. So, um, in soccer, for those that don't know, um, just about every every club out there, which is equivalent to a franchise uh, in American sports, they get usually three competitions. They get a domestic league, which is about thirty uh, something games. They get a national cup, um, which is probably about like four games or five games, and then they have for the better teams, they have European competition, which they are able to travel to another country, play some of the best teams of those countries um, in a league that goes from September up to May. Now, what happened due to COVID is, depending on the country, in the domestic leagues, um, England doesn't allow fans, Spain doesn't allow fans, France might allow uh, fans, but they've been very the countries have been very restrictive and that's just european policy like they're way more progressive than uh the Amer- the uh the united states so they just don't allow uh fans in their seats but some countries i don't know how belarus is the one country that gets away with everything and like there have been no cases whatsoever but like belarus allows everyone in the in the stadiums uh russia that is probably number 4 in covid cases around the world allows people in their stadiums um, but in terms of the Western European countries, like they're way they're way more progressive and they want to try to limit the spread of the of the virus uh, as best as they can. So what are they doing differently? What can we learn from it to say, you know, hey, can we take an example from someone else who's doing it right? Or do we have to be? Well, we're America, so we're going to do our own thing. Right. The So my, my response to that is the U.S. is just so damn big. I guess our equivalent is the EU in general or like Western Europe or Central Europe. That's so great point. 
Um, you know, you look at German soccer, you look at English soccer, French soccer, Spanish soccer, they're all one specific country in general, and they 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 generally don't allow fans back now. Germany tried it. They allowed maybe 10% capacity a couple months back, um, but because of the spike in cases, they, they scrapped that plan. Mm. Um, what I think the the uh the entity that runs the european competitions where they travel from country to country they allowed a 25% capacity uh for those specific competitions they only happen like once a month or twice a month um so i think because of the spike now across europe they're going to scrap that 25% plan now here's that's just club uh that's just club play now for international they have friendlies and they have international breaks like maybe once every 2 months you will find the U.S. actually, I forget where, I think they went to Wales. They probably played in uh, Cardiff. They went to Wales. Somehow they get a waiver for them to play Wales in 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 the Welsh uh, country. Um, Mexico went to South Korea. Germany played, I believe they played Czech Republic. But apparently if you play for the international team, you get an exemption to travel to another to another country and be able to play that international team. They that's that's I'm just saying that's some shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally blown away right now. Like, I I feel like I'm learning something about the world that I was just unaware of. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, coming from us, like we, we dominate, you know, in basketball and shit like that. Like we we only have two specific months that we play with our national basketball team. But like out there, they qualify for the World Cup. They qualify for the Euro and they have to go outside of their country to play other countries to, you know, be able to be good enough to qualify for a specific major tournament. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, how this hits me personally is the Euro qualifying was just done and Euro 2020, which was the 60th year of the tournament, it's usually based in one country, but because of the the 60 years, they're doing it all across the the continent. Um, St. Petersburg, Russia, Bilbao, Spain, Munich, Amsterdam, Budapest, Bucharest, uh, Wembley in England, and so forth. Like, 24 teams are playing across all these countries in June or July. It was originally supposed to be in June 2020. I had a ticket for the game of Bilbao and they had to postpone it because of the COVID cases. So they postponed it up to 2021. And because COVID hasn't really gotten any better, they are internally thinking, where can we do this? And like I said, with Belarus and Russia, they have no guidelines. So they're really thinking about putting it in Russia. So if it happens in Russia and fans are allowed, I will be going to Russia. But, you know, you look at the the amount of damage that's been done due to COVID in Western Europe and them potentially scrapping all 12 locations to host all these games and putting it in one uh, domestic country. It's it says a lot. And I, I don't know, you know, I don't I don't know whether it's doing something good or doing something bad, because if you if you're trying to host it in 12 countries, you know, you with limited capacity or potentially non-limited capacity, you might be helping the situation. But if you put a tournament like that, where there's like 50 matches in a country with a million plus cases and has no guidelines whatsoever, are you doing damage or are you, or are you, or are you doing something good? Well, let me ask you from your own perspective. You have your tickets, regardless. Of, you're okay. There you go. <laughs> I'm sorry. The I don't remember asking the question. No, but yeah, that's that's how ready you are. You've decided to that your commitment, you know, safety risk versus living my life that that's my commitment to what i want to do and how i want to live damn 
That's a good point, dude. That's a, that's a good I, I point. I respect the game, Javon. Holy shit. No, like, I, I totally get it. Everyone, it's it's like South Bend. Everyone is making a conscientious decision to, or conscious decision, I'm sorry, conscious decision to attend something where they know what's at risk and them possibly spreading it after. I can't, like, I can't miss this. You know, if you get a ticket to the Super Bowl, it's almost on the same level. Like, you're not going to miss the Super Bowl. Unless they say nobody's allowed, you're not going to miss the Super Bowl no matter what's happening. Yeah. You're that lucky to if, get a ticket. If you have the opportunity to see a Super Bowl in your lifetime, yeah. you go. Yeah. Oh, you was there an earthquake at halftime? Okay, what time are we starting this second half? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so... The the you know people getting Super Bowl tickets is probably like a first come first serve basis or you know somebody that has a Super Bowl ticket and you and you do it and you buy it but in terms of this tournament uh, that I got a ticket for you have a lottery system there are literally tens of millions of people that apply for a ticket and if you're lucky enough to get one like it's a one out of ten million chance yeah I can't I can't miss it so you're saying there's less likelihood of getting a Super Bowl ticket than it is to get COVID. <laughs> so you, you, you have a moral obligation to get that ticket don't miss your chance right mm-hmm. you only get one shot <laughs> but yeah so um yeah we'll, we'll see what happens i mean um man united they've they've uh, said in their quarterly financials how much money that they're missing out on and somehow they still find enough money to pay for players. I mean, think of the NFL, think of the NBA, right? Like, you're losing so much revenue. Are you losing enough revenue where you can't buy new players? Are you losing that much revenue where you can't make trades? Like, apparently James Harden or Russell Westbrook is so pissed off at how the Rockets are doing. Are the, are, are the teams really hurting for money where they can't make improvements on their roster? No, that's a great point. Like, they're not playing for free. Right. That maybe the money's come down, but we're still talking about multi-million dollar, multi-year contracts. We're still expecting to get out of this and get the money back, but we're not taking a pause. We're, we're eating a temporary cost so that we can move forward. Yeah. There was... There, so, one soccer team, they, they let go, I think, the mascot, and they let go some of the... Um, some of the concessions people but they still found enough 40 million pounds to to buy a certain player or something like that and it's like it comes back are the yankees like imagine how many like how much yankees yankees tickets cost right are they not gonna make improvement for a team like the yankees where their objection their objective every year is to win a world series are they not gonna make any improvements on that roster Oh, 100%. The, actually, right now, DJ LeMahieu is the number one available free agent. But any Yankee fan kind of sitting back, it goes, there's no chance he's not going to be a Yankee. They're oh. going to throw him some money. They they know what they have. Uh, at least I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's, always, there's always that 5% what if. But no, like you have to know that you got to bring this guy back. He, he, he turned down the, the $19 million one-year qualifying offer, which means, wow. okay, he, he wants $80 million at four years or whatever that number is going to be. But it's like, by watching the game, yeah, he deserves it. it, it, is it it's unfortunate that his contract is in a year where, that, where you know, we're, we're losing money in the sport. And you know, the Yankees happen to be in a state where they cannot have that extra revenue of the fans coming in. Going back to the... Wow. the the uh you know the suites and the pre- yeah the, uh, it's, the, it's, the boxes yeah, and everything yeah like that Premium none seated. of that money is coming in they are at zero capacity but they're still the Yankees 
They're known for having money. They're known for spending the money. They're known for investing back in their team to win that championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do they do? Do they continue to be the Yankees and just eat it and wait? Or do they say, oh, you know what? We, we should probably not sign LeMahieu because we have to save money. Like what? What president does that set? Yeah, yeah. Are there are the Yankees going to be uh, the Seattle Mariners or the Tampa Bay Rays, where they you know they're they're cutting costs due to the fact of a pandemic? Um, it's or do the Rays become the Yankees now because they're in a state where they can have fans in the stadium? Holy shit, dude! They That's just, oh they, they just made it to the World Series. <laughs> hey, you know what? We we have a hundred million dollar advantage on the Yankees this year. Let's fucking go. <laughs> It's possible. Holy shit. You that's some shit right there. Like you're talking about Texas Rangers, let's say the Atlanta Braves, like the Tampa Bay Rays, like all these teams and states where they allowed uh seat, you know, fans in the seats. They have a financial advantage based on like a year like a yearly basis, like year to date, they definitely have an advantage over the the behemoths that can't uh that can't make as much revenue. New York Yankees the um, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Los Angeles Angels, the San Francisco Giants, like those are all in those are all domiciled in states where they can't have fans at the stadium. Yeah. They're losing money. Yeah. Damn. That's a good point. <laughs> so so it's 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 an interesting offseason. It's it's actually like uh it's it's got an extra element of if intrigue because you know what direction are all these teams gonna go? Yeah. And there are some high profile available um free agents this year what do they do do you want to commit to a long-term contract in a pandemic or do you want to go through qualifying offer do you want to go through what what's the um what are they doing at nfl the franchise tag right Franchise tag, right? do you want to do you want to go through the franchise tag and just save on a long-term commitment you don't know how long it's going to take for you to rebound financially as a team or do you go the other way and start giving out bobby bonilla uh, <laughs> contracts <laughs> <laughs> the Bonilla contracts are definitely going to be on the upswing now. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, you know I I I forgot about that. Who has the onus on that contract now that Steve Cohen took over the Mets? Is it? it oh, they're still going to pay him. No, but no, they're still going to. He's still going to get his money. But yeah. is it the Wilpons that have to flip that bill, or does Steve Cohen take over that contract? <sighs> I would assume you take all the you take the you buy the Mets you, you buy, buy all the, the Mets organization right? the organization's yeah. responsible. Okay, yeah, right. no, I mean but those are the coupons though. Like that's that's what they do. <laughs> like <laughs> they, they want to backload contracts, and um, so that team that I was talking about, uh, Arsenal, uh, that still bought a player despite cutting concession staff and a mascot their old manager said that what's going to happen is it's going to go away from uh the transfer so transfer is basically you buying another player they don't have to be out of contract they can still have a contract if you want a player you can buy the player if you have enough money and what he said was because of the high amount of transfer fees for buying players of other clubs he said that it's going to go towards a player swap where you don't have to commit as much money to buying them. You have to pay the wages once they're your player, but I'm thinking that that could be the case uh, for American sports now, where instead of paying um, free agent contracts, maybe you trade players, right? You don't have to commit. You still have to restructure the contract once they're your player, but you don't have to pay X amount of money to get them. You know, Isn't that kind of like what the NBA is already doing with sign-in trades? Yeah, it's kind of, you know what? It's kind of like that. Yeah, the sign and trade is like already agreed upon, right? Where you just right. trade the player. Maybe you get like some kind of compensation draft pick or something, whatever it is. Right. Um, yeah, you could be right. 
I mean, it, it reduces their their liabilities, their immediate liabilities. Um, so who knows? Um, it I, I'm really curious as to how all this shit is going to take place. There's there's so much revenue being lost in in all of these businesses. Um, but yet we still have sports. Yeah, that's the yeah. priority. <laughs> Fans yeah. need their entertainment, regardless of where they're watching it from. Uh, the the athletes need to be out there and competing. That's that's their that's their drive. That's what keeps them going. But they're in a position where they're able to. We, well, we found a way for 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 sports to be an essential business. Es- essentially, <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're totally right. You know, think about when they cancel sports in general in March or April. Like people that were a huge sports fan, like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like no sports. Like uh, what are they going to show on like on ESPN? Like they had to come up with documentaries and stuff to keep us interested. Like sports were a way for us to get away from reality. Mm. And the fact that sports weren't happening was like this is reality. Like we don't have sports <laughs> to get us from reality. Like they had to come up with with a plan to do it and i think for the most part uh they've been successful at it i mean hey you 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 can try to go against your local government and try to you know like open up fan fan seating but they've they've managed to have regular seasons post seasons they've been able to get championships done and like head into the next season an interesting way to put it so revenue losses aside fans uh interaction aside you would call the the movement of sports during COVID a success? Absolutely. Okay, I I, I agree. I agree. But um, basically, the 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 point I think that's out there that we you know we should try to grasp is going back to what our initial statement was: sports is is a reflection of the rest of society in this country. So they found a way to push forward. They, they, they knew there are risks involved. They, they adjusted certain things to make sure that we can still have a product or still, still have normalcy, but yet we're going to address the risks that do exist. There have been setbacks. There have been people that got the virus. They had to quarantine. They had to, uh, you know, follow specific protocols, but the sport moved forward. Mm -hmm. So can that be an example of, us in this country at a, at a larger scale for a parallel i'm going to think of college football right i'm gonna try and parallel hopefully it works hopefully like hopefully it works but um think of college football right the sec who is so dependent on college football like you know, seeing my Facebook and my angry white people meter, like I really thought they're like you cancel college football in the South. Like there would be a lot like angry white people had like pitchforks and shit. Um, but you look at the SEC, they started college football probably in September and they've managed to get through, I would assume, probably seven or eight games at this point. Right. The Pac-12 is just starting out. They just they started like probably game one yesterday. Mm. That's a reflection of our country, right? Where the South were the first ones to say, "Okay, we're going to get it. We can't stop it. Let's keep the economy open as much as possible. And you look at the Pac-12, ironically, California, right? California, Oregon, Washington, like definitely blue states. And they were the ones that were saying, let's first they canceled it or mm-hmm. they post they can't they canceled it. Right. And then they came back with an agreement that they would start at a later date. And now it's starting. So you have these inconsistencies by geographic location, right? The, the ones that are more business friendly, the ones that are 
you know, they realize that COVID, you're going to get it at some point. Um, there was other ones that were open with continuing, but in terms of the more progressive states, they were they they were definitely people first. There's like business first and people first, I would say. Um, and the more like democratic states were the ones that were people first. But everyone has a breaking point. Yeah. Regardless of which side of the coin you're on, at some point we have to move forward. So it's very interesting that, and you're right, like not just by geographic location, but by uh, political backing dictates how far you're willing to risk like I'm, how did how did covid become a a polarizing political agenda <laughs> like what is wrong with our country it's, it's you know what it's i would say it's the impact of your community around you right covid is like was a virus is a virus that anyone can get right nobody gave two shits about it until it became an economic factor mm. like if you're in Fayetteville Arkansas if you're in Athens Georgia if you're in uh I'm trying to think of like another um Vanderbilt uh can, uh Tennessee or Lexington ten, Lexington ten, Lexington Kentucky I was gonna let you figure that out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those those are the biggest employers those are the biggest economic factors of your of your respective community if that shit goes bust that is high unemployment in your city that are that is people that's a group of people that can't necessarily pay their bills at the end of the month like it's a huge recession or depression in your respective community and the people that live in the south and the midwest they rallied around their respective uh, sports teams and said we can't lose this if we lose this that's like that's like um out in west virginia you take away like um fracking and you take away like coal production shit like that you have nothing left you're so heavily dependent on that so are you saying the the initial response to to bring sports back faster in the south was a financial response not a passion response i would definitely say i because i mean you know Look at the look at the the places where the sports were being played. That's a, that's definitely an economic factor right there. You look at the suburbs and places outside of that. It's definitely more passion related. Like there, you know, I lived in Georgia. If you go to a Georgia Tech game, there are people in Atlanta that want to watch Georgia Tech. If you go to Athens, you want to watch people. You want to watch UGA play. But you look at the rest of the state. It's more passion. They can't live without college football. Like. College football to Georgia is what the NFL or the, or baseball is to us in this area. Mm-hmm. Like they can't live without it. Every Saturday they have to watch college football. Like that's a thing. For them not to have that, they would go out of their fucking minds. Right. So it it became political because you have to look at your neighboring community and see how it's going to suffer, how it's going to progress due to COVID. And then then you can make your response. Like me, I work I work at a bank in New York, so I can work from home. I have that luxury. For people that depend on UGA, like Athens, Georgia, and Atlanta, Georgia. Well, not Atlanta, but Athens, Georgia, that heavily depends on the University of Georgia to operate academically and athletically, and all the businesses that come from. People going to the bars, people going to the restaurants, people going to the clubs, like before, during, and after the game. Bro, those people are definitely going to go out of business if UGA does not operate. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know where where I want to take this, but I'm, I'm definitely, the juices are flowing as far as there's so so many... The juice is loose. <laughs> 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 but but you you brought up a good point. You You have the availability to work from home. So... How does that affect 
you and your willingness to push forward your risk. So you're you're willing to push forward for the risk of going to see your team in another yeah. country, but yet you're still accepting that. Oh well, I'm going to work for home from home in the meantime. So I I'm willing to take the risk, but you know what? I'm I'm going to take advantage of this uh, current situation that we have in front of us right now, and maybe not take advantage, but I'm I'm accepting where I'm at, what my role is in the current climate. Right now, in response. It's it's not my decision whether I work from home or not. Like that that's out of my hands. Uh, okay. That's that's okay. definitely out of my hands. But uh, Labor Day, I decided to go to Yellowstone. I went to Wyoming, Idaho, Montana. Went to Denver. Went to Georgia, New Jersey. Like I went to like six states on a trip, and then I came back to New Jersey and I stayed home for about a week and change. Uh, didn't do the fourteen days, but I did. You know, like almost ten, and then I got my test and everything, so I was fine. But I'm taking that risk. There's there's a breaking point, like you said, right? You tell me in April or May that we're going to lock shit down and I can't go anywhere from like 8 p.m. to like 7 a.m. OK, I, I'm, I'm with it. Right. Hopefully we can get past this if we collectively do it. But the shit that they're bringing up now where it's like another four to six week lockdown, I'm not sitting in the house. I'm not doing it like I. So. I, I, I like that you are taking the best advantage of the opportunity that you have in your job and, and wanting to travel and, ha- and having outlets. So for me, I don't have the option of working from home. I, I, I've been back to work since June. So, and I, I have to go to my job to have a job. So I, you know, I, I could have had vacations and I could have traveled and then, you know, disclosed that to my job and then, okay, I have to quarantine, but, I'm not willing to do the quarantine part. I want to make sure I'm still going to my job, making my money. So I'm taking the outlet out of my opportunity. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I had my vacation in in uh, July or August, whatever it was, and didn't really do anything. Didn't travel. Didn't you know? Just hung out, got to relax a little bit, just enjoyed my time on myself. But with the in the middle of the the shutdown. I had no outlet. I had no travel opportunity. I had no sports to go to. I had no movies to go to. Like I, I, I didn't have the normal things that I would do with my free time. So I don't have that outlet. Yeah, it's rough. That's <laughs> that's it's 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 rough. So so like, well, like you said, there's a breaking point, right? So I'm I'm yeah. I'm being you know the good soldier right now, waiting for things to return and and doing my part and following protocols. But it's like, yeah. When's the breaking point coming? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like this is this is the this is the breaking point. Um, and I mean, a lot of people predicted that when we went through the first lockdown, um, where people said we have to get it right, right? That's what everyone said in like March, April. They said we have to do this right because it's going to be difficult for it to happen again. You saw the effects of financially speaking from you know businesses closing up, but you saw the effects of people being on lockdown, and we didn't get it right the first time. Whether that's the local governments, the the federal government, or people just not fucking listening, but for us to be eight months later and to potentially go through a four to six week lockdown because we can limit the the COVID cases uh, from doing that, it's tough, dude. There are like protests around the around the world for like my uh, in Dresden. There are like thousands of people that are protesting another lockdown, and like they're way more they're way more strict than like people like in the states mm-hmm. and people are just not fucking listening 
um, and they're protesting. It's hard for you to confine people to sitting at home and doing nothing. Like we did it the first time, but we've already gotten the broken breaking point. We've seen the effects of it. So like socially, you know, and I remember that that was a, a big uh, topic that we wanted to hit of the isolation factor. Like we've hit our breaking points because of isolation from the people that, that we love. I think there's enough people that have hit the breaking point and are ready to move forward, but you got to think about it. We are still in lockdown. We are still approaching another lockdown. So there's still a good majority of people that are complicit with the lockdown and 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 accepting the isolation. There is that that side of the coin too. You know, for if if the people wanted to move forward enough and made their voice heard, the government would comply. I I as much as I don't really <laughs> like government, no, no. <laughs> but, but I, I do. I do have that little bit of faith that, like, it, it, if the people make enough noise, they will respond. I mean, yeah. Look, New Jersey legalized marijuana finally. Like the people spoke and the government listened to to a smaller extent. You know, yeah. um, so I think there are enough people that are just like, no, I accept my isolation. I have everything I need. I, everything else is getting done. I have my connection. I have my phone uh, and my internet connection, and I can do everything i can meet all my needs and contain myself in this house and i think there's an acceptance uh, among a mass majority that is also part of what's keeping us from moving forward now for me i'm not going to say i've been the most outgoing during this but when you hang out with friends you might not always be the one to initiate it right and me i'm not saying you're waiting for like a text to say like let's hang out but it's it's not just you initiating, but receiving an initiation for you to hang out with friends. And maybe that's why, you know, maybe because you're you don't initiate, you're waiting to see who's doing what and you don't receive any invitation whatsoever. So maybe that's why it doesn't happen. Maybe there are less hangouts because it's you might be you might be cool with uh, with going out during a pandemic. But if your friends are the complete opposite and might not be down with going out during a pandemic, then you're shit out of luck. It seems like it. Like for us and, and the people that we mutually know that we've hung out way less, not because that you're comfortable with it or I'm somewhat comfortable with it. It's because the people that we mutually know might not be as comfortable of hanging out with groups of people in the pandemic. So that's that's potentially why we've accepted isolation. You know? Okay. Um, I think that's definitely a part of it. I think um, it's it's become more difficult uh, to to get that to happen with you know with curfews and and uh, appointment seating at restaurants and um, <laughs> yeah we're 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 half open we're not fully open and we've been living in this half open as like oh we have our freedom again but we really haven't so it's still restrictive. And it kind of keeps us in that mindset of, oh, you know, I'm comfortable where I am. But let's let's be real. The isolation thing was happening before COVID. We with 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 I, I mentioned our phones already, but we we have everything at our fingertips. Literally everything in our life that we need is at our fingertips. And we've already been getting comfortable in our smaller bubble environments. Yeah. And now COVID basically putting a lockdown on the outside world. It's like, oh, that was a natural transition. I'm uh, let me just kick my feet up, get on my phone, and nothing is different. And I think that's also part of it. Where, where we've trained ourselves to accept the isolation, and and COVID exacerbated it. But I think we were already there as a society. 
Yeah, we were more comfortable with talking with people on the phone rather than talking with people in front of us. And the fact that we COVID has made us remain at home and continue to do that, just I'm okay with it. Like not personally, but like, you know, uh, I'm okay with it. You're okay with it. We can talk through this. We don't have to go out there. And plus, you know, it depends on the location. Like in New Jersey, no, I was just talking with this chick at like 1145. She's like, well, what you doing? I'm like, yo, we can definitely hang. But like, where are we going at 1145? <laughs> you know, 10 months ago, we could go to like a diner and just chill until like five o'clock in the morning. And just like shoot, shoot the shit. Where are we going at 11 o'clock where we could just like sit and talk, you know? It, you go to Georgia, you can find that shit. You can go to the fucking Waffle House at like 11 <laughs> o'clock and just stay until 5 o'clock in the morning. But it depends on your your respective locality, you know? It's 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 a real shame, especially considering considering diners, um, how many diners can't operate. Um, I had, My mom came off a flight yesterday from, uh, from Georgia, and uh, I took her to dinner in Scotch Plains. And we were there until, I don't know, like 8.45. But anyway, at 8 o'clock, I didn't see a whole row of tables and I'm wondering, I'm like, why, like, why are there no tables at eight o'clock? Like, it doesn't make sense. And then, so I asked the waitress and she said, uh, we have to be out at 10 o'clock. Like that was a hard deadline of when they had to stop operating their business. And you can't tell people at eight 15, you, you got to leave in like an hour 45. So like, they just stop. like, that's potentially $50 in tips, a hundred tips for like that waitress. And she said that in normal business, like operating hours, they would stay up until like two o'clock in the morning. That's potentially like fifty to one hundred dollars in tips that she's missing out on. That that's your twenty five percent capacity in a stadium. That, yeah. it's, that's, <laughs> it's, it's the same thing, really. It's yeah. It's putting a cap on, you know, the the unlimited nature of just existing. Yeah, and you you couple that across the state with like different industries. What can you possibly do? Like, are you just going to go to somebody's house? Does that person feel comfortable with you in their house during a pandemic? Do they have like older people? Do they have like vulnerable people in their household where they they don't want you to come by? Like, there are so many restrictions outside of just like being confined to the house, like well, time wise. And you absolutely absolutely have to respect people's personal decisions. That that's on them. And you know, I I, I respect anyone who says, well, look, I have people living with me that are more susceptible, and I'm going to take these precautions. Uh, uh, one of my best friends is is pregnant right now, and it's like we we got together for another friend's birthday, but it's like it had to be outdoors, it had to be in a specific space, and we have to respect that like you're pregnant you have to take every precaution mm -hmm. that you have to take uh that you have to feel comfortable with to make sure that you're healthy and your baby's healthy like so yeah there's always going to be those elements but again that still comes down to personal decision not someone telling you that this is the protocol you have to follow yeah so you went so you went to a birthday party right um it wasn't like the birthday parties where you line up in cars and you honk, right? You actually went to a birthday. That's your personal yeah, decision. We, we had six people that sat down at a table together. <laughs> Just like that. It's, you know, we've, you really, you really hit the nail on, on the head when you're saying we have become so accepting of what's going on that we don't do birthday parties, right? We do honking parties, I guess, yeah. whatever they call yeah. them um, for whatever occasion is the case. But We've become so okay with what's going on that we're, we don't operate as a society that we did. Not even just numbers of who we hang out with, but just the way that we do things. Everything has just changed. So uh, I'm really into sci-fi and and specifically like dystopian futures. And I feel like we, we've we've 
had so many warnings from older movies and novels that that tell us this is the society we're going to and we're still pushing forward towards it and, and not listening to the warning signs <laughs> i've been trying to compare what we're going through right now to to a classic sci-fi uh and i've been changing o- over the over the months and i think i finally came to the term the determination that this is the time machine we're headed towards the time machine hg wells so the, the future society that he travels to, which is like thousands and thousands of years in the future, uh, the human race has e- evolved into two factions, the Eloi and the Morlocks. The Eloi live on the surface and they live in a paradise and they're they're ignorant of everything around them. They just exist and they and things are done for them and, and it's it's perfect. Oh. And then the Morlocks are the trolls that live under the ground and they do all the work they they make sure everything is functioning they they uh basically keep the society going but the trade-off is that every once in a while they come and steal the eloy for for their own benefit or for food or whatever so but okay and that's a far way to come but but look at what's happening right now we have separated our society into people that can stay home and and live in their comfort and have all existence at the touch of a button. And we have the people that are considered essential workers that go out into the world and get all the work done for the people that are staying home. Damn. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got like, you've you've got a point. There are... What's our, what's our, what's the take back? You said like the Morlock get something from this. We don't get anything from this transaction. You know what I mean? That's what's kind of goofed up. Everyone can go outside, but you know, yeah. like everyone who's essentially working and everything, who's taking all their precautions, have to sit here and be like, "You guys are all assholes," and I hope you all. <laughs> well, and that's that's the warning sign that's yet to come. You guys keep this up, we're eventually gonna devolve and eat you. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the 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 workers are eventually gonna be like, "Why are we the ones putting ourselves at risk when everyone else is comfortable saying that we can't have the outlets like the sports and travel?" At some point, like, again, there's a breaking point, right, where people that people that are cashiers or people that work at uh, grocery stores, cashiers at retail establishments, you know, like they they were the ones going out and continuing business during the the first peak when March and April, where it was like tens of thousands of cases. We thought that was big shit. We didn't realize one hundred fifty thousand will come like eight months later. But like those were the people that were going during normal business hours. Some of them didn't have masks on at the point. And like they were there for the initiation of a uh, uh, a COVID business procedure, operating procedures, and they didn't get the proper they didn't get the proper care from the government. Like there were people that were making more money sitting on their ass unemployed than them going to work, going through COVID, interacting with dozens of customers a day, and still getting shit on. Like. There definitely has to be a breaking point if there hasn't been already. Like those people have lived through COVID and seen it firsthand. And I've literally had people tell me, yeah, I decided not to go back to work because I was making more money (laughs) off the stimulus check. I've had people tell me that. I've I've seen it firsthand. I mean, it's it, it, it makes no sense as to how i'm not gonna say how that happens like you're you're taking care of the people that that really need to um that need to pay their bills at the end of the month but to completely disregard the people that are actually doing it like if you're gonna do it you got to do it across the board i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not taking it political i'm just saying like it's a real shame that those people went to like are still going to work like some of them they never stopped working yeah and 
they 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 miss they got the stimulus check but they missed out on the ppp all this shit like they missed out on the real money maker from the the stimulus and that's i guess that's the that's the the morlocks gonna take care of the eloys like it's at some point they collectively are gonna get together and say yo we've been completely shit on we didn't get our our our, our due you know right it's right. it's, there, it's off there is a breaking point there is a breaking point and it, I, f- I feel really bad for them it's it's just really bad those fuck man when we thought like sixty thousand people like across the country was a was a big number those people were out there still working yeah yeah no plexiglass like no nothing like no yeah we had to you isn't it funny how easily and how fast we forget things that are now different from before like (laughs) we we had to learn about oh yeah we can use plexiglass we had oh you know what we should just put masks on like we we had like there were people out there during the the spike the, the first boom the hit and had to learn like well if i have to keep operating i have to start taking these precautions what else can we do okay let's make this next precaution like yeah we had to learn that yeah yeah it's man this this is this is some shit dude i don't like I, I can't say whether it's due to government action or inaction, whether it's due to people and what they want to do personally that affects others, you know, in their community. But fuck, man, I I always said, regardless of who the president was, the U.S. was going to be a shit show. That's just how we are as a country. Like we're, we're going to fuck up some way or some way in some way, shape or form. But it's it's very restrictive what's going on. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, pe- people have to make their own decision, but you know, it's all, it's also hard to make your own decision. We're inundated with so much stuff all the time that we really don't know like uh, w- what's reality and what's, what's being fed to me, you know, like, so um, I've, I've always said it's a, it's a very millennial thing where like, you know, ep- oh, that's so epic. We use like grandiose words and <laughs> and it's like something that's mundane. That's epic. And I always uh, tell my cousin like, uh, and he used to make fun of me for it, but like when everything is epic, nothing is epic. Because it's, it's, yeah. it's literally, you take the passion away from the thing that it actually is. So It's lit, it, right? Yeah, it's, it's lit. lit. <laughs> Same thing. Like, it, it's, it's like appreciate things on the scale that they are, right? So now think about how we get our news. We, we, we get uh, little snippets of like, hey, this famous person is doing something, but it's presented to us like news. And then we have the news <laughs> that, that is factual, but then it's like it's presented around fluff. And it's like everything is just this weird mishmash of, of I don't know how information is being fed to me. And, and it's hard to find the sources of, to, to, to fact check. So it's like in the same vein, when everything is news, nothing is news. Yeah. So it's like, how, how do I make my own decision about how I want to carry on and move forward? How, how do I know if it's safe and is is the 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 outlet worth the risk, or or do I just stay back in my isolation because I'm comfortable? Like, how do you make that decision for yourself? Parallel for you, right? Let's say you watch the New York news. Every fucking news segment, you always find that there's a house burning or somebody got stabbed or or uh, even to mention it again, or somebody just like assaulted Rick Moranis. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you re- you read enough of that news that you become immune. Not I'm not going to say immune to it. Like you become. um yeah, you like it doesn't hit you anymore. You you're 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 insensitive to it. That's what that's what I mean to use. Yeah, desensitized. Desensitized. There we go. Um 
but people still are you going to be a hermit for the rest of your life after seeing the news every day and seeing that this bad thing happened this bad thing happened this bad thing happened like no you still continue life right right so i guess it would be the same with covid covid you you saw 80,000 people maybe a month ago now you see it 150,000 are you going to sit in the house all day are you going to continue life as as is like there's shit that you need to do and that shit that you need to do does not require you sitting at home all day yeah and and are we also looking at them, the numbers what's the recovery rate at this point yeah, yeah people are getting it and people are getting over it as well so there's people that are more susceptible and and hi- harder to to recover from it that if those people are in your life and you need to protect them absolutely i understand that perspective but you know for every individual has to ask themselves well to to move forward is it worth if i do get it okay i will recover from it but yeah how comfortable are you making that decision for yourself also now this is going to be funny hopefully the next five or ten minutes right, right. <laughs> this this is going to be the uh the, the cracker here in april when we went through this first wave people want to limit as much contact as possible right how many people like let's say the country is a hundred million people single people let's say that 100 million single people hopefully hopefully it'll it'll flow as i go through this 100 million single people that said in april they weren't going to have sex how many people of that 100 million do you think have had sex within the last like six seven months right like you like you (laughs) say like you look at you look at that sample population and they said back then because they they were told by the media and the government that there's going to be a spike and then we'll be all right from then they see a complete shit show for the last seven months. How many people do you think still have not had sex? How many people have regular like sex on a normal basis, right? I'm talking about single, but not people that, that have Already a spe- living with somebody. Right, yeah. right. I'm talking about single people that can be swingers. They can be with one person. They can be with two people. Like, what, like there's a breaking point. Like, for me, I was like, yo, like, let me get through this first wave without doing anything. And then seeing the complete shit show that has been the last couple months, I'm like, yo, it's my own personal decision. I'm not going to sit around on the sidelines for for shit that's undetermined of like how long it's going to go. So there, there's that famous novel, uh, Love in the Time of Cholera. Well, so now the the, the novel that's got to come out about <laughs> our era, <laughs> Tinder in the time of COVID. <laughs> 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 but instead of a romance it'll it'll be a sci-fi so <laughs> you know like seriously think about this man um people have their desires like men have needs right that was always yeah. like the, <laughs> people have needs but you look at again look at that first wave and how dangerous it seemed then and we're hitting even higher numbers than now. I mean, than back then. And people are still hooking up with others, still going out on dates. Like they're they're that's a breaking point. Everyone, I guess there's different breaking points for different situations, right? What's the breaking point for you to go and interact with an individual on like on a party basis, right? What's the breaking point for you to interact with somebody on an intimate basis? Like, how long can you go until you just like fucking snap and say, I can't do this? Is COVID considered an STI now? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like, it really, like, yeah, it, is. Yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. Like, you know, Definitely. you go to, if you go over to somebody's house or they come to your house and it's like, 
do you have COVID? Like that's that shit comes before asking if somebody has like HIV or like uh, yeah. or chlamydia. Yeah, oh no, we good? Yeah, no. Hey, <laughs> fuck, AIDS goes in the back seat. Like COVID, you come up to the passenger side. Like that's it. You 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 go over to your neighbor's house and they're like, oh come on in, but first let me take your temperature. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's a legit reality. It's a legit reality, yeah. and I understand that much. Like I, I'm, I'm willing to accept that. Like, but as long as you, you we we keep the interaction going. Yeah. Right? No. Totally. That's uh. You know. I was. I was. The reason I brought that up was because that's something that pretty much everyone listening to this podcast will relate to. You know, whether you're whether you're married or whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship or so forth. Like there's a level of intimacy that you were used to before COVID. And after the first lockdown, like how much can you accept that intimacy is not going to happen for you? For a lot of people, it's, you're not going to miss out on that intimacy. It's not going to happen. It's a tough thing to have to consciously make a decision. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to exhaust one of my basic needs as a human. Yeah. No. You know what? I remember uh, England back around that time, they said that they're going to ban you from going over somebody's house for intimate purposes. And funnily like how do you monitor that i yeah i don't <laughs> comically enough one one uh one soccer player he played for the english national team he had over um a prostitute like two prostitutes i want to say <laughs> and like he put it on instagram and everything oh, like wow. that. he said fuck yeah. you straight <laughs> off the bat yeah. <laughs> they end up they end up permanently banning him from like the national team i believe wow. because of his response to it like i guess that was his breaking point he's like you're telling me i can't have one or two people two two girls over to do this I, i'm not gonna fucking listen the, the oh, who was the guy from the seahawks that did that shit he was bringing a chick into the hotel um during I don't know the about that. oh yeah it was it was some guy um during the off season i want to say um but they were living in a hotel in orlando and he ended up sneaking some girl to his hotel room she came on she had like a seahawks helmet on and everything like she was basically like a female member of the staff and somehow they found out who it was that brought her there and they just kicked him off the team wow his his breaking point was, I can't live like this. Yeah. Like, I can't yeah. live without doing that. So, is that any better or worse than what Justin Turner did? Bring it full circle. They purposely <laughs> were defiant from the rules that they set forth to say, well, I'm not living by your rules because I'm a human versus Justin Turner who just said, well, we won the World Series. <laughs> well, I'm going on. <laughs> Yeah, no, on a parallel. No, you're totally right. It's it's one other person that you're around and you still interact with dozens of other people, right? So what is the difference? Should this this is an existential question to everyone listening. You know, you look at Justin Turner, he had a positive COVID case in the eighth inning. He still went out to go celebrate with his teammates, right? Well, you on the other hand, whether your basic needs need to be met or not, you still have to interact with people, whether you go to the grocery store, whether you go pay the utility bill, whether you go out to get something to eat, like you're still interacting. It's a different uh, population, but it's the same. It's the same point that I'm trying to convey. And and it's a different publicity. Right. From a different publicity standpoint. Absolutely. So the the question that remains is, how are you going to conduct yourself in times like these, whether it's work related, whether it's intimacy related, whether it's social related, like 
Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up. Are you going to skip out on seeing your your loved ones? Are you going to have Thanksgiving with the people only in your household? Are you going to have Christmas with the people only in your household? Like these are these are definitely questions to ask. Yeah, um, which which is an interesting topic for me myself. I I saw my grandparents just last week for the first time since February. Oh my god! Yeah, and it was like I was I was like so grateful to finally get to see them, but I still I couldn't. I couldn't go up and hug them and kiss them. Like, so there's still that barrier, which I respect. Yeah. Like, I get it. They're living in a community of all susceptible people. So I have to respect that. So I'm grateful just for the chance to finally get to see them. Um, <clears throat> my grandmother saw my dog for the first time. She, oh, wow. she loves dogs. She was so happy just to play with the dog. Like, so that, that was all great. But now, you know, to your point, like, so I'm not going to see them on Thanksgiving. So it's like, yes, I'm going to miss them, but I feel for them who don't get to see their family on the holiday they're missing out on a lot yeah oh my god yeah so it's it's unfortunate <gasps> for that i forget i feel like i was going to tie that into a point but now i'm just like i'm just like lost in my emotions no minute, that's but. <laughs> dude that sucks are they like question are they are they in like a, a home or are they like in their respective oh homes? yeah so they, they are in an assisted living community so they so they shit are they even going to interact with one another are they going to eat thanksgiving in their rooms are they going to have it like at a table, like with other people, like especially with older people, there's a giant risk of them contracting it with one another. Yeah. I don't, I don't know the specific uh, operations and how that yeah. that building handles like because there's a, a, a dining hall where everyone goes to have dinner and sits at separate tables. And, I, you know, that's obviously still been going on, I'm sure, at a different rate. Like yeah. they can't have all residents all in one room at the same time. But but yeah, they will be around other people at certain times of the day. They might have a, a lo- they might have a higher level of social activity than us. That's a great <laughs> point. But well, that that's that's the importance of their isolation for each other. So yeah, at least yeah. they can still, as a building, be safe amongst each other, and they, they guarantee yeah. that for for the folks that live there. That so that, that, that's a good point. <laughs> wow, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're in some shit, man. I'm I'm, cu- I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen, sports wise, social social wise, political wise, in the next couple months because shit is definitely going to change. Um, so we'll see, man. But, I don't know. So, so Thanksgiving coming up, that's we, we, that's the next holiday. Yes. Um, just wanted to let everyone know, you know, Craig gave us the fact today that Jesus was the first zombie. <laughs> fact, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Proven recorded history. That's right. Go look it up. <laughs> so I just wanted to let everyone know that uh, turkey was not on the menu for the first Thanksgiving. Um <sighs> <laughs> apparently so they had lobster and some other shit like they even had lobster for the first thanksgiving but turkey was not like it's disputed whether turkey was available the first thanksgiving i mean that actually makes sense yeah right Uh, like the 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 where were they? The Mayflower, right? Landed yeah. on Plymouth Rock. So it's New England territory. Right. Where where lobster is Good fucking lobster. A plenty. <laughs> yeah, no. Turkeys, you know, they might not necessarily be native to that area, like where turkeys were lobster is seafood, right? Seafood is available no matter where you go. Turkeys might not have been native to that specific region. So it would make sense for everyone listening to know that turkey was just thought of at some point. It was not the first Thanksgiving meal. Wow. Yeah. Of the three days that they had Thanksgiving food, turkey was not among them. That's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) 
we're gonna continue in the next following episodes we're gonna do our best to uh to come up with uh, you know some some crazy facts for you but uh craig i just wanted to ask do you know what we're going to be discussing next time i know we kicked around uh thinking about life the universe and everything and the answer is not 42 so we'll see where that goes <laughs> this is the Vinci code right no no um no. the hitchhiker's guide to the oh, galaxy oh that's it okay okay gotcha <laughs> okay. all right well everyone i think that we've had a very productive uh episode of sidewalk today hopefully you you were able to get an independent uh, minded review of what's going on for COVID sports related, political wise and social wise. Um, just, you know, try to be as safe as possible. But if you need to interact with the rest of your people, so you don't fucking lose it by all means. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.